S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Sammy Rye here with another podcast with Sammy Rye. This week, we're going to do a special hour-long episode, no commercial interruptions. We're going to get into everything Marvel's got going on. I want to get into some things that Grand Theft Auto is doing, kind of like a Grand Theft Auto versus Marvel kind of week, because I think Grand Theft Auto had some of its biggest announcements and biggest updates that it's had in about nine years. And Marvel also is moving into this new phase of Marvel. Um, and they had a lot of announcements at the San Diego Comic-Con and a lot of big things going on in entertainment with these two brands that are very established. And it's giving me kind of some ideas on, you know, where they might be going in the future, my take on it, and really everything else that I think this is that involves all those different things. Because it's, it's an interesting thing. I feel like usually I'm pretty much always like Team Fortnite, uh, Team Epic. I talk about them a lot. And I mean, I, maybe they're all taking a break off for the summer. Or perhaps they knew that like Marvel was going to have a big release this summer, um, but I feel like it's been pretty quiet on that store or that that um that that front for that camp recently. But um, Grand Theft Auto has released an update that allows you to basically play. In my opinion, the way the game was always meant to be played, it, it's kind of weird to think like what we know Grand Theft Auto is now. Like where everyone goes online, everyone knows everyone's insane and they're crazy and they're attacking everybody. There's all these random people blowing each other up, kind of like for no reason. Um, and I remember I actually had an email I sent to some friends when Grand Theft Auto 4 came out where I was reading some of the news and I was trying to explain to my friends who don't follow games as closely some of the cool things we were going to be able to do in Grand Theft Auto 4. A lot of that stuff didn't work out because their online mode wasn't, uh, wasn't really great at all. But a lot of that stuff did become true in Grand Theft Auto on 5, having the online heist, being able to plan missions and have bases, kind of role play and all these different things. But the odd thing was when Grand Theft Auto 5 launched, you would go online and be all these other people that you had to always play with. And if you and your friends wanted to get together and do stuff, you had to constantly deal with these other strangers that were just, you know, they just make the game not fun. It's like any situation when you have people, especially anonymous people, they go out and they kind of act out their worst selves. That was nine years ago, um, apparently, when the, the game Grand Theft Auto V launched. And just this week, I believe it was Wednesday, it's yesterday, by the time I'm recording this podcast, they finally made an update where you can do pretty much everything in a private invite-only session, which I feel like it's weird that they are talking about it as if it's a new concept, but that's kind of how like almost every multiplayer game is, right? You turn it on, you go online, you get together with your friends, you play the game. Um, they kind of forced you into this that world where you had to deal with all these people, which I thought broke the immersion of the game, you know, trying to be like a criminal mastermind and then like 35 people driving around in tanks, you know, in the city. It doesn't even make the city seem real. So all that money and time and attention to detail they put into making that real believable city um, it gets ruined by all the people that are just acting so unreal. What does it matter if the cops act real and the pedestrians act real and the people who are in the stories act real and you have all this voice acting? If then you have, you know, 20 maniacs driving jets around, blowing everything up um, for no reason, for no money, no story mode, completely just destroyed the whole thing. So when I would think, OK, well, Grand Theft Auto 5 is almost over and now we should be getting ready to see Grand Theft Auto 6 in a year or two. Just now, I kind of feel like the game has reached what it's supposed to be. 
I've been playing it on and off for the last day or two, trying to kind of get an idea of, you know, whether I think it's good or not. It's definitely worth checking out, um, especially if you didn't like Grand Theft Auto before. This is a great time to go back in and see what there is to do and not do. Um, and I like to run a lot of the businesses in that game. But um, I even recently started experimenting with just not even doing the businesses and just doing the missions. There's so much content. Nine years worth of content they've added to that game. Um, very, very interesting stuff. And I, I feel like that it's difficult for me to get too excited because I think they have kind of had everyone over a barrel and been trying to put you in a situation where you want to spend money on their game. And I feel like the only reason they're stopping that is because in about a month, Saints Row is coming out. Now, I could be wrong. Uh, maybe Saints Row is not on their radar. Maybe they're not worried about Saints Row. But I know last year, um, or the year before last, actually, you know, Cyberpunk came out. Watch Dog Legions came out. None of them really did a dent to Grand Theft Auto in any kind of major way. Um, and now Saints Row's coming out, and it seems to be a pretty promising game. They don't have a real online mode, but they do have a co-op mode where you can invite your friends again into a private room, and you guys can play in this big, realized, next-gen city. I feel like that feature is why Grand Theft Auto suddenly decided... We're going to let you, you know, bring your friend into your room and just play the game without having to be around all these other people. Not to mention that for nine years, the other tactic of kind of, you know, frustrating you and, you know, making you want to buy money. And so you can go out and buy your version of a tank so you can fight the people with a tank. Um, that tactic they've made, obviously, a ton of money off of the last nine years. Um, I also see that apparently they announced they were not going to be making any more updates. I think they're working on one last major update for Red Dead Online. That's their Cowboy, their Western game. Um, and that's kind of surprising because that game is relatively new. And they've given up on it where it seems like, um, you know, GTA V has been out for five years. I was always surprised and kind of confused by why, out of all the genres out there, a Western was the, their idea of like a second world that you can make. Um, I guess the first time it happened, it was kind of like different and like, oh, that's interesting. But when they decided to go back to that well again, I just didn't feel like many people I knew were just dying for another Red Dead Online. Um, it's, you know, you have things like Grand Theft Auto, which is pretty much based off Fast and the Furious with all their high-tech guns and all their cool cars and crazy things you can get. And then you go play Red Dead, it just feels so much slower. It's kind of cool being on the horses and those mechanics. But, um, you know, it's just, again, such an older kind of game. I feel like there's less you can do with your imagination. With Grand Theft Auto, you can always add more and take the game more into the future. But Red Dead kind of holds you to a certain time period and only a certain amount of kind of vehicles and things you can use. So I did not think that was a good idea to take that into the online space. So I'm not surprised, really. I don't think that they, they shouldn't, you know, stop supporting it and let that mode die off or let it just stay what it is. Um, I guess I'm really just more surprised they made the mode at all and they made the game at all for, 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 uh, for Red Dead Online. Um, I know some people are upset about it, but when I say some people, I mean a few vocal people online. I don't know a single person that plays Red Dead Online. I definitely don't know anyone that's upset about it being discontinued or not getting any real support anymore. Um, at least no new content. And it might not be forever, um, but they said that they're taking away that, that team to help them focus on Grand Theft Auto 6, which is a good thing. I definitely think... Since they sold the trilogy, they've, they've, they've kind of went to the well and they've milked every single part of Grand Theft Auto dry. Um, now that this, this new mode is here in Grand Theft Auto 5, where you can basically you know play with your friends privately, maybe some people will come back and give the game a try. Maybe that'll give this current game some more life. 
But I think after this, besides them just adding more content, if you have Saints Row coming out, if they're aggressive online or people enjoy playing that online, it's only going to be a matter of time. It's, it's time for them to get over to Grand Theft Auto 6 and get something out the bag. So I think that's what they're going to be doing next. And I'm really interested to see, you know, what is the next thing that they're going to be doing for, you know, Grand Theft Auto moving forward. Are they going to keep putting out more content? I'm not really sure. Um, I'm sure they're not going to stop until until um, 6 comes out. I've theorized in past podcasts that they're going to have 6 and 5 out at the same time. So if you want to play, you know, 5, you can still play it. Um, I, I think that they're going to do things in 6 that some people might not like. So I don't know if to be more aggressive with the microtransactions. But I do feel like some people say, you know what? I've already played 5. I want to stay in 5. And they will put a little bit of money into the game. I think they'll always keep 5 up and running, at least for that amount of people, um, as they move on into other stuff. So that's pretty much the biggest thing, I think, when it comes to Grand Theft Auto that I found interesting. Um, you know, it's it's funny to see that, that franchise. I think it could have did a lot of different things. You know, it doesn't have a TV show. It doesn't have a movie. But it prides itself on a story mode. Um, I mean, they've made so much money. I read that it's the most profitable piece of entertainment ever created in, in man on like for mankind. Like DVDs, Blu-rays, CDs, um, anything that's ever been created and sold for entertainment, it's made the most money out of everything ever. And that's that's a that's a obviously a, a gargantuan achievement. What an amazing achievement! So I feel like you know Grand Theft Auto deserves his attention because um, it's so big. It's such a huge thing. Um, even when I go into it now, if I just going around the city, it's it's a modern marvel. It's insane that someone made that. It's insane that it's nine years old. I really cannot picture what's the next thing they're going to do. Um, and then the fact that that's probably going to stand the test of time for another ten, maybe fifteen years, depending on how much they put into it, or if they make it so they can more easily expand upon it. I mean, we have games now like Fortnite that constantly grow. So when they made Grand Theft Auto, they weren't thinking that, right? That game came out on the PS3. So now that it's been ported to the PS4 and to the PS5, I'm interested when, when Grand Theft Auto 6 comes out on the PS5 and all next-gen consoles. Will they have some kind of new technology? I, I don't like addressing rumors too much, but one rumor I saw from a credible website said that they were under the impression that the new Grand Theft Auto would do something where they would release like chunks of a map that's a city and then add more cities over time. Um, that'd be really cool, but of course I don't want to be like all thinking this is going to work or be great. I'm sure there'll be some downsides to it. There's always downsides to, you know, anything that they're doing, right? Switching over and jumping into Marvel, there's so much to talk about. Um, literally, why I feel like the rest of the podcast will probably be dedicated just to Marvel. I got to throw out there and mention this is my birthday week. It is the 28th while I'm recording the podcast, and it'll be my birthday tomorrow. I'll be 37 years old. And it, that matters a lot to me in a way where I remember when I saw Infinity War in theaters, when they first did the shot where, you know, um, the sorcerers bring out all the superheroes onto the battlefield to face off against Thanos. And there's, I think, something like 60 to 70 people on screen. And on the other side was all Thanos and his army and his people. It reminded me of what they call splash pages in comic books. And, you know, when, you, when you're a kid and you look at like a, a novel, there's not many pictures. And then you might see a comic book that has pictures but a splash page was very unique in the sense where the artist sometimes would draw across two pages. And at the time, you know, before HD screens and everything like that, 
giving you a big visual and sometimes a very elaborate, beautiful picture with so much going on in the picture, really bringing that story to life. One of the most amazing visual things I think I was able to see as a child. The splash page is something that comic book artists still use to this day to create amazing scenes. A lot of times those things even become posters and it might even become like a famous splash page if it's like, you know, really, you know, elaborate and has something that was awesome on it. So when I saw Infinity War and I saw all those people fighting, it was like watching a splash page come to life. And I believe film is the pinnacle of human art because it involves all art forms. I think all art forms are have to come together for a film to work. So everyone has to work together. Mankind has to work together. All kinds of people from different walks of life when it comes to artists. There's even business people. There's people obviously working, you know, putting together the sets. Everything has to go into it. And it's an amazing thing. Then we all come together who are not involved and we watch and we share this experience. I, I feel like film will always be the pinnacle because of that. It's always a, a, an amazing thing when I see a great film. And Infinity War at the time, you know, really took the cake. And I think at that point, I remember having this feeling like I really appreciated and had a gratitude that I was able to live and see this happen in my lifetime. To go from a child and seeing none of this existed. There were no superhero movies. And now being able to be at the end of the Infinity Saga and having that scene, it was such a fulfilling moment for me. So now turning 37 and looking into the future of what this stuff is, it matters a lot to me on a personal level because I love story. I love, you know, films. I grew up my mother watching lots and lots of films. And coming from the place I came up, you know, it was more of a, I guess, impoverished area. You know, dreams was was the fuel. Dreams made life worth living, right? It really helped to to have dreams that let you feel like your current circumstances weren't going to always be your circumstances. And film is a great way to see not only your dreams, but like you get examples of all kinds of people dreams. People making the dreams and then also the stories of the character. It really helps broaden your horizons, especially when you come from an area that doesn't necessarily reward you for broadening your highest horizons and having new ideas. Um, that's one of the biggest passions and love I have for film. And looking at the future of everything Marvel's doing, I, I'm 100% comfortable saying I feel like Marvel is now running the the film scene for the foreseeable future. Um, at some point, will they mess up? Will there be slips along the way? Sure. But like any team that's dominating, that's what it is. Marvel is a team. Anything that dominates, the fact that they're able to dominate for so long or so often is just something that we should be excited about as a species. We should be excited to see people that are doing well and succeeding. We should not cheer for their downfall. We should not nitpick and tear apart every single thing that they do. We should be happy that we, we're, we're fortunate enough to be alive and be able to enjoy this kind of entertainment during our lifetime. This has never happened before. In human history, we've never been able to have this level of entertainment. And, and again, you might say, well, it's not important. It's just entertainment. I, don't, I disagree. I believe stories, the things that inspire and move people on an emotional level, that, that show them how to be better and give them different things to aspire to, having things go from just a comic book page or from a story in the book, like if you're looking at like an older novel or an older tale, and bringing that stuff to life the way these artists do, I believe is obviously important. So they have a lot of properties coming out over the years. I'm looking at a list here, and I have something I can say about all of them. And that's what I'm going to be doing with this week's podcast. So let's let's start off with, um, I guess, finishing off this summer. I just saw Thor Love and Thunder, right? So I talked about Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. 
That was amazing. Spider-Man No Way Home was amazing. I saw Thor Love and Thunder, and it, it, it does its job. It's not a spoiler or anything here, but it does its job by moving the story forward, moving the overall Marvel story forward. I'm not sure how I felt about Thor itself. It had its moments. Christian Bale was amazing. I'm not saying anything new there. Um, I definitely want to watch it again. I want to watch maybe like Ragnarok and then watch um, Love and Thunder together. Um, it's a very unique kind of film, Ragnarok, and the way, what they did um, with all the humor and stuff they use with Thor. And some people have said that Love and Thunder kind of has maybe too many jokes. But I think if you go and you sit down and you try to watch it and just enjoy it um, and not take it so serious, that I think it could be a film that could be very enjoyable. I think a lot of the stuff they've done on TV over the last few years and stuff like The Eternals has been so serious. I feel like the formula they use for Love and Thunder, um, that Thor kind of formula is very different than what they normally do. So I want to go ahead and watch it again when I have a chance, as soon as I'm sure it hits Disney+. Plus. But I am looking forward to and very much interested in the humor that we're going to see in August from She-Hulk. I think She-Hulk looks amazing. I'm a big fan. I have a daughter. I have, I have a wife. I love my mother. I have a sister. I, I, I love my grandmother, right? I've always been a fan of strong women, women who are doing things. I always want to see women succeed and be able to enjoy the things that I enjoy. I, don't, I never like the idea like, oh, these things are just for boys and that's just for girls. I don't, I don't like that. I think good stories um, just weren't really being told as often um, or, you know, especially on the big screen as, um, as a lot of the male stories that are being told. And She-Hulk looks like a very fun show that I think anyone could watch, regardless of gender. It looks like it's going to have action. You're going to have Hawk in there. You're going to have Abomination. Um, there's other characters that might show up. I'm really excited to see what they do on that show. And the character She-Hulk looks like such a fresh take on a female character. She looks like she's strong, obviously, but there's there's humor that's there. I feel like she's like that that like whole sex in the city, like a girl in the city living her life. But obviously, it is this twist because she's super strong. Some very funny things I thought were in the trailer, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do on that show. And I see they tease that Daredevil's going to be on the show. Um, I think he has a TV show that's coming out um, next year sometime. So that's cool because you're going to somehow link or introduce or show you at least this versions of Marvel's Daredevil because the Netflix, I don't think the Netflix stories count. Um, the Daredevil show is going to be called Born Again. I don't know like if he died and came back to life. I don't know if, if they're just like, letting you know that it's a reboot. I'm not the biggest Daredevil fan necessarily, but I did like the show. The show made me like Daredevil a little bit more. And I think in Marvel's hands, it's going to be even even greater. So I don't know how much he's going to do on She-Hulk, but it's cool that they're bringing him in. It's amazing how, how like across so many mediums, they've linked their stories. It's not perfect. I, I see people sometimes, again, nitpick, right? Instead of congratulating and cheering this thing on, people go nitpick this impossible task that Marvel has set out to do. Having all these stories run across all these different mediums for all these years trying to usher in a new generation of actors and keep the franchises going. That's insane. It should fail. No, no one's done anything close to this. Other companies have barely been able to do coherent stories for just three movies, just for two or three years. Um, they, they've been struggling all over the board. Not many other companies are able to give you that kind of um, immersive, continuous experience, and especially not to the way that Marvel has done it. And with She-Hulk, I think that's the next big step um, you know, Thor was great. Now we're moving on to She-Hulk. It seems like they're getting to the point where there's almost content every month. I don't think we have anything in September, but I am pretty sure in October or November, 
we're going to get Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That looks amazing. Um, I, I had a silly feeling when I saw the trailer for that because I originally thought, you know, Shuri is the obvious candidate for to be the next Black Panther. And at the time, it seemed like a kind of risky idea to have a female lead taking over such a major franchise. They hadn't did the Black Widow movie yet, and they hadn't done a lot of these shows that feature female characters heavily, like they have done now recently. So I kind of felt silly when now when I've seen the trailer, I'm pretty sure Shuri's in the trailer as Black Panther. I was kind of like, oh yeah, of course. Like it's actually not that surprising at this point in time that because only already in two or three years, I feel like they've done so many properties that feature females. I even see people online sometimes complaining, saying that like Marvel's like um, uh, I've seen like I don't I'm not going to copy I guess their insulting jokes, but like you say like you know it's like she Marvel and like. Uh, I don't know. That's not what they say necessarily, but they come up with phrases and stupid things to kind of say like, man, like there's all these girls now in Marvel, which is great. It's great for my daughter. She loves it. She loves Captain Marvel. She loves the new Captain Marvel TV show, or I guess she was, it's the Miss Marvel TV show is how you would say that. Um, there's just so many great girl characters out there now. She-Hulk looking like one of them. I'm really excited to see what Shuri's going to do, and I'm a big Iron Man guy, and they have Ironheart that's going to show up at the end of Black Panther. Um, I believe Ironheart is also going to get a Disney Plus series. I think that's going to be in two years. Oh, no, that's next year. So Daredevil's not next year. Daredevil's actually two years from now. I didn't realize that. Um, but that's kind of cool because that's going to be like an 18-episode show. It's going to be like the longest show. So if they're able to create really long shows now, like I feel like recently they've been kind of doing like long movies and just calling them shows, breaking them down to like six episodes. But an 18-episode show, that, that should be awesome. Um, if they're able to pull that off... I guess they have to, you know, back it up so they have time to, you know, release that and let it come out. It probably won't intertwine so much with all the other stories. Maybe a smaller story based around Daredevil, but that's that's fine. They can do all these different things at this point and go in all these different directions. That's one of the things that's really cool about what they're doing here with all the different properties they got going on. And that's that's what you got going on at the end of this year. Then we're moving into officially what the next phase of Marvel is going to be. So then you have. Ant-Man and Ant-Man has a movie called Quantum Manium, but they released some interesting details. Kang the Conqueror is going to be in it. They're talking about the quantum realm being a little bit different than what people think it is. So I, I watched a lot of new Rockstars video. The kind of theory they had was that the quantum realm would be like a realm between realities, which would make sense. They have like those little in between places where like. I guess it becomes a thing where, like, there's not a bunch of quantum realms. There's just one. I think you need some of those kind of concepts to glue it all together. Because if there's, like, a million versions of everything, it just starts to get confusing. It's, like, where you are in time and space. But if there's ideas, you can go into the quantum realm and come out on the other side somewhere and be in a different universe or a different piece of time or something like that. That seems to be the best theory I've heard so far. But it's just a theory. I ultimately... I think Ant-Man movies are fun family films. I never felt like they're really that epic, but Kevin Feige believes that this is the movie that kick off like the next major phase after like basically the phase we've been in is like the pre or the, the post Infinity War phase where kind of like new characters being introduced and people are recovering and stuff like that. But Ant-Man's going to kick off the next major Marvel phase. And I think that's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting to see all the things that they're going to do with Kang. I've been watching some videos and trying to brush up on Kang the Conqueror. I don't really know him a lot. And I feel like he has a complicated story. But I think Marvel is, is gearing up to present it 
in a more as, as simple as possible over so many different movies and franchises. Um, it's going to be really cool. Kevin Feige said the actor playing Kang, I don't want to mess up his name, but basically said that, you know, the whole the whole thing couldn't be done without him. He's going to play lots of different versions of Kang. The Kang acts differently. He basically has these different parts of him that exist at different parts in time where he's like almost a whole new person. So you're going to see the actor be able to play a range of characters. And I think it's cool because like instead of going toe to toe with a guy like Thanos and trying to say which one's the better villain, it seems like Kang is going to present a lot of new opportunities for stories that we didn't get to see with Thanos. So it's not going to be a direct comparison because he's going to be very different. And um, and that's going to be pretty cool. I think I've heard that in Ant-Man, there might be a, a cameo or a small part of Modoc being a character. And Modoc is such a weird character. I know recently they tried to kind of reintroduce him to the masses with like a cartoon show that got canceled. But um, yeah, I don't know if that was just them trying to get him out there so you kind of could see him and you kind of could talk about them. But I don't, I don't know how he's going to appear. I imagine he'd appear pretty different than he does in the comics. Because he's basically a floating head with like two little legs and two arms. I feel like you don't need him to be that way. Like whatever makes his character, if it's a character that exists because he's like a smart villain. Like he doesn't have to be in that form for him to be, you know, a character you see on the big screen. Maybe they go that route and they try to make him look that way. I mean, they they kind of can do anything at this point. I feel like they have a lot of characters that do look different. Um, I just don't know if you got to do that with Modoc. I guess we'll see. Um, after that, there's a Secret Invasion TV show coming out for Marvel on Disney Plus, and I don't know. I don't know. Again, like I'm worried about Secret Invasion because my understanding is. It's a story that involves the scrolls. They could do things where they show you that like, oh, this event here actually wasn't that character that you know and love. It actually was a scroll impersonating that character for some reason. I'm not sure how fond I would be of that. I mean, it, it could get cheap. You could use it to change things maybe for the better. But, like, it could get cheap. Like, one, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, what if, like, Quicksilver didn't die? What if that wasn't Quicksilver? What if that was a scroll? You could say that and then bring back Quick, Quicksilver, which is kind of cool because you get them to come back. But it's also kind of cheap because they haven't really established that the, the scrolls can, like, copy anyone's powers. Could they, could he, like, how did no one know? How would Wanda not know? So maybe you don't do that. Maybe I, I mean, I'm just giving a bad example. But I'm I'm afraid of those kind of concepts where they say, oh, we can go back and just tweak things and have scrolls doing certain things. Because I feel like all the characters in the Marvel movies have pretty personal agendas. So to think that a scroll would like take one of them over and then act out that personal agenda because we're watching on the movie screen, it, it seems a bit forced. I, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Maybe Secret Invasion has nothing to do with like scrolls, like say, you know, swapping out people's bodies. But I kind of feel like that's the whole point of Secret Invasion. So I, I can't really see what else they do. Unless it's just like a straight up alien story. Where like aliens are like, you know, infiltrating the government and these other generic, you know, positions that we don't really talk about a lot in Marvel. And then the heroes have to just compete with them. And on that show, the scrolls are impersonating other characters on that show. During the events of that show, it could be an interesting like, well, who did it? Or which one of us is still us? Um, maybe they keep it confined to just that show. That'd be better. And I'm sure they could find, 
you know, a not-so-important moment in history where they could be like, oh, actually, that was a scroll. You know, they could do that. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. I just hope it's not something as big as, like, like, like a, a Quicksilver-like event. I would hope, if anything, if they're going to bring him back, you would have, like, Wanda pull him through the multiverse, something like that, right? Don't, you know, make it, make it matter. Make it not be some kind of cheap reversal. So, again, that's just my horrible idea. I was just using that as an example. I don't think they're going to really do that. Um, then you got Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm interested in Guardians. I'm interested in Guardians. I'm wondering if Thor is still going to be with the Guardians when they get around to it. I'm interested in Adam Warlock. I see the actor who's playing Adam Warlock. He's putting on lots of muscle. Um, he should look awesome when Adam Warlock is in the in the movie. And I don't know if Adam Warlock is going to help like fight Kang. He's definitely a really powerful human, a superhuman that they have at their arsenal. Um, but really, I, I believe this is the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like. They're not going to make any more movies. I think this movie kind of got held hostage because of the situation with James Gunn. I know Marvel and him are back on good terms and they're making this movie. But I think the actors, I think Drax at one point, you know, Dave Bautista, I think he was like, I'm not going to do the movie if James Gunn's not there. So I think it started getting a little messy. So now that they're all back together and they're making the movie, I would think if I was Marvel, I would then leave it alone at that point. Um... He had the situation with Gamora, where she's kind of like not really Gamora from the other movies. She's like a, basically a multiverse or out-of-time version of Gamora. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see how that ends or what you do with that. I feel like Guardians got a little messy. Um, they are going to explore Rocket's origin. So I think the story is going to be good for that movie. But at the end of it, I think it's, it's going to probably be done. So I don't know if those characters then go off and then you know, join other teams or participate in some other kind of way, or maybe they just stop. Um, I don't know if we still need to keep doing Guardians of the Galaxy because at first they were a great way to go into outer space. But now every Marvel show is out of space, out of time, all over the place, multiverse, yada, yada, yada. They're going everywhere. So like now that you're in a spaceship flying around, that's not really that groundbreaking, you know? So I think they do Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and I could be wrong. I mean, I think all those actors probably would show up for a four, five, and six. But they would have to maybe have some, like, ironclad deal, lock them all into contracts, and, you know, let James Gunn do his thing, and he just keep making Guardians movies. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I hear there's supposed to be a Thor uh, five and six. I think there's a contract in place for that. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, after that, we got Loki, season two. I'm really hoping Loki season two, which comes out next summer, is more action-packed, has more adventures, more fun things going on with Loki and his variants. Now that so much of the heavy lifting of what Loki Season 1 was, explaining the multiverse, explaining variants and all these things, I'm hoping next season of Loki gets to be more fun. Because I feel like the first season was a lot of talking. It's the same thing for Eternals. If they make another Eternals movie at some point, or make an Eternals TV show, which is the route they probably should go, I hope they get into a more fun version of those characters and let them kind of, you know, go loose. That, that you know, episodes or that TV show where they're explaining all these things, Eternals, that movie where they explain all these things, it's, it's just too heavy. I feel like it's a very slow point in the story. And then, you know, people go and break it down in these, like, YouTube videos and stuff, which is cool. But maybe they should do that. I know they have this interesting thing with Paul Rudd as Ant-Man where, like, he has a podcast and he has, like, um... I think a book that he published in the Marvel Universe explained lots of things that happened. Maybe he should have like a YouTube channel now where Paul Rudd explains things going on in the Marvel Universe and make those explanations canon and go keep going. I don't know if we need TV shows explaining all these details because ultimately 
when you know when you're watching Doctor Doctor Strange, you are it helps that the public is more comfortable with these ideas. But also, I have people who haven't seen Loki who watch Doctor Strange, and they can follow the story. Because Marvel still makes simple stories about characters that show that they have to overcome something. And you say, yeah, like there's a multiverse here, and you, there's, there's more than one person, whatever. People kind of get it. I don't know if you have to explain to a modern audience all these different details. or And even that, like people don't get it. A lot of times they're like, oh, whatever, and they just enjoy the movie. Because they're, they're big, fun movies. And that's what they, you know, came to go see, really. So sometimes it's not even that serious for the average audience. So, to, you know, to make everyone kind of go through these really serious movies, to do all this explain, uh, explaining of things, I don't think you really need to do that anymore. Um, so hopefully the next Loki is more fun. I like the female version of Loki. I hope that they do more with her. I would like to see her stay around or become, like, more evil and be kind of a more sinister version of Loki. I feel like Loki's character kind of got ended up being, like, just seen as like the little brother of Thor, and he's like a silly kind of nice, uh, like kind of like all shucks kind of bad guy kind of character. But it'd be cool if the female Loki is really the god of mischief and really just starts creating lots of problems. That could be a really fun thing to see. It's a newer version of Loki. She could do the movies for you know for several more years. Um, if you know the other uh, Tom Hiddleston, I believe um, doesn't want to do Loki anymore. You can kind of just move over to that character. So hopefully you get to see that. I'm interested in it, but I'm not really, I'm not really too sure about Loki season two. I'm not. I don't know how great it will be. I'll probably let it run a few episodes and then binge it. Echo has a show coming out. This has to be the oddest show next to Agatha um, that I think exists. It's the oddest show, right? Because Agatha, I can say, really won over fans, and the actress playing Agatha is very funny, and she's been in lots of movies. But Echo, I have no idea what the show is. I have no idea why the show exists. I simply do not know. I would have to imagine maybe it's like a Marvel Knights type show where maybe Punisher and Daredevil and all those kind of characters show up. Jessica Jones. If they all show up and you're just in this like world where Echo is just fighting people in the streets and, and you're doing one of those kind of shows, kind of like Daredevil... Before we get to the actual Daredevil, I guess that's what that can all happen. I guess they want to really get this Echo character off the ground. I don't really know the character. I didn't realize the character was popular at all. I don't. I don't necessarily think the popular the character is popular, but she got her own show, and it's going to be um, next summer, right? So right around the time that Loki's out, that means they're going to be like banking on that. It's like, oh, go see Guardians of the Galaxies, then go watch. Echo, and then go watch Loki, and then in theaters will be the Marvels movie, which is going to star um, all the Miss Marvels. There's Miss Marvel from WandaVision, Miss Marvel from the, the the film, obviously, and then Miss Marvel from the TV show that we got this year. And I'm I'm excited for that. I think that's a much much needed film. I know the version Miss Marvel we got in Doctor Strange was pretty cool. She was very tough. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see those different people playing that kind of similar character and what they get into. I'm hoping they get more into space. I would love to see the Nova Corps. I would love to see more things happening in space. And she's been kind of set up as, oh, yeah, there's planets out there that have all these problems and they don't have Avengers. So let's see it. Let's see that you're not on Earth because you have these other people that you have to take care of. And this would kind of give us a real Superman-like movie if a character is so powerful, they have to deal with giant galactic level problems on a regular basis. 
But I think it's kind of funny that I think because Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel, this is spoiler warning, spoiler warning, I guess, um, swap spaces on the show. So if she was in space, that means Miss Marvel suddenly was flung into space somewhere. And I don't even know if her powers make it so she can survive in space. But I don't know how they're going to fix that and how she's going to find her. But that ends up giving you a reason for Miss Marvel to be in space. And I believe the other Miss um, Marvel character is Monica Rambo. I believe that's her name. And she has power. So I guess maybe like they might meet up and she says, hey, let's, let's both go into space and go find this little girl. I don't know if that's how it's going to happen. But they all need to get out there. I'm hoping they're out there. I don't know how much on earth that movie should be. I really want to see this other stuff that kind of explains why Captain Marvel wasn't around more, why she isn't always around more. I think you should go back out to space and show some interesting stories. Um, I guess we'll have to see. Um, next year, at the end of like around November, you're going to be getting Blade. That's something that's really interesting to me. It looks like it's going to be a movie. And that's pretty cool because I grew up in Blade movies. Blade movies were awesome. They were technically like one of the first big superhero movies. I don't know. I feel like now they'll update them a lot and it'll be very different. I don't think they're going to try to be too close to Blade. But Blade was already cool. So I think his cool factor is there. People, I think, will be excited to see Blade come back. And it's going to be cool if they get into the horror elements of the Marvel Universe, showing like vampires. I believe they're trying to cast someone as Dracula. That stuff can all be really cool. I don't know if they'll use Morbius. I doubt they'll use Morbius. But um, it makes sense. You have Jared Leto out there. I think Jared Leto would love to be in a Marvel movie or a Marvel show. So, I don't know. I mean, they probably won't have a reason to use him. But it'd be cool to see some of the more, you know, um, evil or supernatural kind of characters. I think they have the right, the right spec to Ghost Rider again. Maybe he could show up. Even if they're cameos or they're referenced in some kind of way. I think that would be cool. And Blade can kind of be the leader of that whole side of Marvel. We haven't really seen that side yet. It deals with like a horror aspect. That could be a really cool thing every Halloween to have a Blade-like movie or movies like or shows based on that side of Marvel. That would be really cool. Um, and then there's Ironheart. Ironheart's a show that's coming out next year. I can't wait for Ironheart. I'm a big Iron Man fan. I love the idea of Ironheart. I love the idea of coming after Tony Stark and trying to see how you would innovate on things that he'd done in his lifetime and what it means for the future. I'm hoping that the show really looks towards the future, the future of the MCU, and what this girl can do with this technology and kind of the shadow that she has to live up to. You know, you want to be better than Iron Man. And there's some things I've seen her do in the comics and other forms of medium where she has, you know, her ideas are just very different. And she can get into some more wonky, uh, I think, sci-fi powers of, um, of what Iron Man sometimes does. That right now, I think with Robert Downey Jr. would have made it seem like that's too far. So like Shuri in the Black Panther suit, that's, that's already like kind of like hi-fi, right? That's like a little bit beyond sci-fi because there's no way that we know that that can exist. There isn't a way that you can absorb kinetic energy and put it back out. But we accepted that. We've already accepted that in Black Panther. So... With all these other things that have been done, by the time we get to Ironheart next year, I feel like people are kind of like, yeah, do whatever you want to do. And then she can do a lot, right? She can create anything pretty much with science. So I think that could be a fun show, um, seeing the kind of power she has and also seeing how does someone navigate. It's going to be the first time I feel like they really directly at least have the opportunity. I don't know if they're going to do this, but to really address Iron Man being gone from the Marvel Universe. Um, I saw some theories where people are thinking that at the end of this multiverse saga, 
because somehow they'll reset things or be able to bring back a lot of characters and you bring back an Iron Man. I don't think they'll bring back an Iron Man. I do think you might have Iron Lad, which is a Kang the Conqueror variant. Maybe they get to keep him around. So like we got rid of Thanos and Thanos could show up. Um, Josh Brolin could show up as Cable because they own the rights to Cable now. So if you have that actor and you have a good relationship with them, you can keep using them. Um, Kane the Conqueror, when he's all the way done, I don't think he'll ever be all the way done. There's a golden opportunity to let him show up as Iron Lad. Maybe he's friends with Ironheart, um, you know, and then they can move forward into the Marvel Universe beyond. I don't think, you know, I can see maybe Robert coming back in like 10 years to like do a cameo. Maybe they've already recorded his cameo they want him to do in the future or something like that. That'd be super cool. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think you'll ever get back to a point where you have that person being Iron Man. And you don't have to. There's so many characters. We're almost running out of months here for them to really you know, showcase these characters. And these are just the ones talking about the coming out next year have been announced. There's still other characters in the back burner like Black Widow. Will she ever get another movie again? She's had a movie. Um, Doctor Strange probably will need a third movie at some point. And, I mean, you could decide, hey, maybe Hawkeye needs a movie next time. Maybe he needs another season of a show. Maybe you go to Kate Bishop. There's so many characters now, right? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there, you could do whatever. Like, they have Agatha. Agatha's the next show that I'm, I'm thinking about. It's supposed to be coming out the next winter. Agatha could be a really fun show. I hope it's not very WandaVision-ish. I, I hope it just kind of focuses on her and whatever she gets into. Again, you can explore more of the dark side of Marvel, the occult, uh, Ghost Rider, these kind of characters. I feel like Agatha will be a character that will definitely try to help out and introduce other characters with her. Maybe they'll show more sorcerers, more other characters that we don't get to see in Doctor Strange. Um, I feel like that's a, a really good chance to showcase those things i don't know i feel like at some point they're going to bring wanda back or do something that, that releases her i saw one theory that was pretty cool that maybe wanda's trapped in hell right now and maybe agatha can bring her out of there right it's called coven of chaos who knows what happens but maybe that's something that that you know plays out in her show i don't think you see her and wanda seeing each other again somehow in that show i think it'd be a missed opportunity if they gave agatha a show when there's no wanda that's kind of like her main reason for existing right um, then obviously then in the next spring after that, 2024, we got Daredevil, 18 episodes. I'm hoping out of all the things Marvel's doing, I do want to see them try some things. And one thing with Daredevil is I want to see them try to do martial arts again, just basic, real grounded martial arts. I thought that was a really cool thing with the Netflix show. When those characters fought, sometimes it would be like overdone. Like if Luke Cage, like lifted a door off the handles, which he like did all the time. I was like, yeah, that gag, we've done that a bunch of times. But with Daredevil, I felt like you actually saw a person with a suit on trying their best to fight as hard as they could through other henchmen and thugs while they're also their characters going on, the character arc and the character story. And that was very gritty and something that was seemed very grounded. And it'd be super cool if they give Daredevil the chance to have more of those kind of scenes fight more kinds of other heroes in a lower level that, um, you know, lower power level, I guess you would say, and kind of get into like a martial arts show. That'd be something that they haven't really done yet. Shang-Chi is martial arts, but it has a lot of special effects because he's a very powerful character. Daredevil is a character that can be very grounded. I think here you also could have Iron Fist and some of the people show up, use his cameos, show off some, you know, different, um, you know, martial arts abilities and then leave. That would be super cool if they got to focus on that kind of stuff on Daredevil. We'll have to wait and see. The next two I want to touch on is Captain America 
and the Thunderbolts. And what's cool about Captain America and Thunderbolts is they're supposed to come out a few months after each other. So you got in May 2024, you got Captain America New World uh, New World Order. And this is going to feature um, Anthony Mackie now being Captain America. I feel like Captain America does a real good job at dealing with like, you know, possible like seedy governments or things that are corrupted or whatever. And I feel like it's going to be kind of a two part that leads into Thunderbolts. Because if you don't know what Thunderbolts is, they're basically the evil Avengers. And in Falcon Winter Soldier, they were teasing this idea of kind of assembling these evil Avengers. And by then, there'll be enough characters that you almost have an evil representation of every single character. I don't know, for example, maybe Echo is going to be the opposite of Hawkeye. Um, I think on the comics, Bullseye was the opposite of Hawkeye. I mean, now I think about it, there will be a Daredevil show that year. So if they decide to introduce Bullseye, maybe he's on the Thunderbolts, right? Um, There was Harry Osborn was like like an evil Iron Man. I don't think that they would do that because they don't have Harry Osborn anymore. But they could always find a tech person, maybe Doctor Doom, maybe he might show up. Um, Actually, probably not because I think they have Fantastic Four coming out after Thunderbolts. My point is that they have enough abominations on she-hulk so he's like the opposite version of hawk it's kind of a cool thing to see like the avengers not being popular anymore or they kind of felt fall apart and the world needs something and the world gets thunderbolts and they think thunderbolts are like the avengers but actually they're bad guys working for some kind of organization maybe that organization is is shown in new world order something that's not hydra something that's bigger or maybe a reincarnation of hydra because they always say you can't really kill hydra that should be super cool. And I'm going to think, I think it's going to be awesome. People are going to flip out when they get to see an Avengers movie with like all the negative Avengers or the opposite evil version of Avengers played by these different characters. That sounds like a whole lot of fun to see played out on the screen. And I think it's going to be really cool to see Anthony Mackie get his due and have his chance to kind of carry those things. I'm sure he'll probably show up in Thunderbolts, but at least he's going to get his Captain America movie. I really like Falcon and Wonder Soldier. I thought it was one of the best shows on their their show service i hope there's a second season to it or at least a, at least another captain america season but i mean maybe if they if they decided they're going to give him a trilogy and kick off a few more movies for him that's fine too i just really like the way they're handling that character and what that character could be with all this stuff going on i think it's gonna be super interesting so those are all the things that i see going on for what they're calling phase five now they also say te- tease some things for phase six the cool thing about Phase 6 is it's still a little uh, little open, pretty pretty wide open. And that's cool because I think some people are kind of like, where are the other characters that we wanted to see? It's cool that you're giving us Echo. It's cool you're giving us She-Hulk. But like, there are some people we kind of were expecting to show up. So I think maybe Shang-Chi gets another movie. I don't know if Doctor Strange gets another movie. But those are kind of characters we just kind of established. And it seems like they're supposed to be pretty important, important moving forward. But if 2025... Um, there's going to be two Avenger movies, the Kang Dynasty and then Avengers Secret Wars, which people are telling me is something that features Doctor Doom. Um, Doctor Doom has crossed paths and tangled with Kang, so you could even have a situation where like, you have a villain that like, they turn to to help them deal with Kang. Maybe they do that, Secret Wars. Um, I don't know, but that year, beginning of the year, is going to kick off with Fantastic Four, and they have here one, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight other properties. These could be shows. These could be movies. They're supposed to come out in, in phase six, starting with um, the fall of 2024 all the way to the summer of 2025. 
So we're looking way off into the future. And people are thinking, you know, in this slot here should be X-Men. I don't know. I really don't know. Kevin Feige has said that he was, they had so many plans in place that they didn't really plan to have the X-Men come in. So we know that with Multiverse of Madness, they added Professor X. They started making Multiverse of Madness years ago. They were planning it, prepping it. They did not know they were going to have Professor X. So as time goes, I was doing a lot of reading and research on Marvel. They do a really good job when opportunities present themselves to try to edit the plan they have going. So they have like a loose plan with maybe some important details. But as you get close to the actual time period where they're making these projects, they are able to adjust and change some things sometimes. So I could see them fitting in the X-Men. I just feel like this being called the Multiverse Saga, what role do they play? Unless you're going to pull the actual X-Men out of the other universe. I know Deadpool, they probably would like to do that with him. But Ryan Reynolds has taken a, a, a break from acting for a little while. That could be a troll. Or maybe he could change his mind. Or maybe he isn't acting, but maybe he'll show up to do his Deadpool role. Um, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. If they're going to bring Deadpool through the multiverse. I don't know how they're going to handle it. Because in No Way Home, I thought they were going to do that with Venom. And it seemed like they didn't do that, but they did bring over the symbiote. So, I don't see any Spider-Man projects on here. That must mean that one of these were probably a Spider-Man project. Um, I, I don't know if that's... And it's kind of weird to think that we we have to wait till 2024 to maybe get a Spider-Man project, right? Before Fantastic Four. Realistically, we're probably looking at 2025. So, if they're going to do another one, maybe they're not going to do another one. I, I from, from here, I don't really see it. And I know Sony was kind of teasing and maybe they're going to put together some Spider-Man villains onto a team. So maybe they have plans of doing a Spider-Man project. I don't know. But even then, if I'm honest, like I don't feel like Spider-Man fits into all of this problem. I feel like they're introducing a lot of younger characters to kind of go forward to the future. It doesn't look like they're going to have Spider-Man permanently. So I don't think they can commit him to being on the Young Avengers or showing off like a new team featuring Spider-Man. If he's not going to be there all the time, it might be just too much of a headache to keep doing this. And honestly, the saddest part about it might be it might be better for them just to let Sony do those films. And if those films don't do well, maybe that would finally make Sony say, okay, well, we need to sell this back to Marvel and then we can put the whole thing back together again. But that's going to be interesting because, again, I don't know if Marvel would even go for that at this point. I don't know if they really feel like they need to own the movie rights to that character. They still make money off the games. They still make money off of the merchandise. I don't know if they really need to make the movies. And they have all these new characters that are very young they're debuting, and they can make lots and lots of movies off these other characters. You can have situations where, like, I don't know who's the younger character that people are hot about. But maybe if you had a bunch of them, the Young Avengers, you could have a Spider-Man movie coming out from Sony if they decided to do that. And Marvel could be catty. Marvel could drop a Young Avengers on the same day, a week before that, and hurt Spider-Man's box office. You know, that could not be a good situation for Sony to be in. So if Marvel wanted to do that, I think they are really in a position with all these things they're doing to really out-muscle Spider-Man. And that'd be a shame for Tom Holland. Um, I believe he's under contract with Sony, so if he's doing, if they're doing more Spider-Man films, they get to choose the actor. I know that. I don't know if Tom Holland... I doubt he has to do them. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he should walk away from that role yet anyway. So it creates a, a muddy situation there. I don't know how you, you should go about that. But there, it, it seems like 2024, 2025... Um, that's going to be where you might get one of those projects. And, you know, going from Avengers into Kang Dynasty, 
I mean, I guess with Secret Wars, it would make sense to have the X-Men present by that time to then show off, you know, the whole fight or everything's going on between all the teams. The Fantastic Four does show up, but I feel like you would have to get them in there kind of quick, you know, and it seems weird to have, like, the X-Men show up and then immediately thrust it into an Avengers Secret Wars movie. I don't know how that plays out. There's already so many characters that have been debuted that seem like they're here now to help deal with this future Kang problem. Like characters like Moon Knight, for example. You know, he's shown off this like pantheon of Egyptian gods and what that means to have gods and all this stuff. So, you know, Kang being a person who's fought gods, he's killed gods in the comics. Um, you know, if you have him in a situation where he shows up in the Kang Dynasty, he creates a problem. Most likely a problem be resolved in Secret War. You know, what... What place do you have for all these characters that you've taken your time to establish? They've established Moon Knight for a reason. They've established, you know, um, Shang-Chi for a reason. Why all of a sudden try to shoehorn a new X-Men team and then also feature them, obviously, in this big Avengers thing? I don't know. It seems like it'd be better to leave that to a Phase 7, a Phase 8, some other kind of thing. Maybe they do a, a solo X-Men movie. But I don't know how much they should be involved in Secret Wars. And if that's not the formula, if Marvel's thing is, hey, all of these things are supposed to culminate into these Avenger films, then then I don't see a place realistically for X-Men. So I don't even know if it's a bad thing, honestly, because I think by this time, you know, it, the, the fans will be really, really cooled on the old X-Men franchise. I think people will be looking forward to just any kind of actor showing up that could do these new roles and they wouldn't be expecting, you know, the older actors to show up. I think right now it's too close. And people are still going to be disappointed if they don't bring over all the older actors or most of them. Um, and it just kind of creates a, a muddy, uh, a muddled situation. I think they're better off avoiding it. So those are my things. With the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, it's so far off. I couldn't realistically tell you what I think they're going to do in those films. I mean, obviously in the Kang Dynasty, they have a lot of Kang characters. So that's cool. Um, the Secret Wars... You know, I know it has that title, but I mean, if I thought about what Infinity Wars meant back when, you know, they first announced they were going to make it, I remember thinking that Thanos was going to be like courting Lady Death and trying to take out half the universe for a prize for her. They didn't do that. Then, they, you know, that ending with a whole like time heist thing with Endgame, I didn't see that coming. So you could have a Secret Wars and it not be all the teams fighting each other with Doctor Doom, you know, kind of pushing the envelope or whatever. It might be a, a version of that or some kind of, you know, mixture of that. But maybe it's something that's really different. Maybe something that involves more of the multiverse since you, you're still dealing with Kang in this situation. I don't know. But I'm interested in a lot of things Marvel's doing. And that's a, that's a lot of time to spend talking on one topic, especially for the podcast. But really I'm talking about, you know, 13, 14 topics because there's all these different things going on in entertainment. And this is the kind of stuff that... When I was a kid, when I was writing my stories and stuff as a kid, I always hoped that a franchise would come along that would try to future-proof their ideas. Whenever I was planning out the Neochrome books and all the things I wanted to do as a kid, I always hoped that it would, they wouldn't stumble where I've seen so many other properties stumble. Like The Matrix, it's a property I love a lot. And I feel like they were the first people to try to do this multimedia franchise concept. And they started it off, and maybe the Wachowskis just had other things they wanted to do. Maybe Warner Brother wasn't into it, but it didn't ultimately go everywhere into all the different areas of business. And Kevin Feige with Marvel 
have been able to do that. They've taken what I thought was just going to be a combo company and really have expanded to video games and to all sorts of things at this point. Um, there's a lot of games I think they're, they announced, the Wolverine video games they announced. Those things aren't canon. They're not like involved in the story. But as you've seen with the What If cartoon, they could always change that, right? So I don't think there's a need for them to bring over like Spider-Man or some of the other characters. But I think there's a Midnight Sun video game that's supposed to come out. That features characters like Blade, Ghost Rider. I think Wolverine's even in that one. And then if you have, you know, these other like Wolverine games and stuff, these are characters that don't have to ever show up, but they could always cross over and it's like a what if episode, like the cartoon, or they could cross over into the the real life, you know, TV show or movie. Um, there's almost anything that you can do. I, I even forgot to mention that X-Men 97 is coming out. So that's a continuation of the 1997 X-Men cartoon. They're going to keep on doing it like it never stopped. So you can watch the old episodes and hop into the new episodes and the story just keeps going. They got almost the entire cast to come back. I did see that X um, Cyclops, the actor who does Cyclops, unfortunately passed away. So he obviously won't be able to come back. Um, but everyone else will be back on the team trying to make that show happen again. And it seems like some rumors were that the Professor X we saw is from the X-Men 1997 you know, TV show. I don't know if that's true or not. Or that might just be speculation. But that was that was a cool little thing they did there. I think they might they might have just wanted to use the theme music because it was so iconic and well known. I don't know if that was them officially confirming that's him from the cartoon universe. I don't know. Um, but obviously they can do almost anything at this point. I think at this point fans are really just happy with what they got going on overall. Besides that full like that, that vocal minority that kind of will complain about everything. But there's just so many different things. They even announced another season of What If. That was a TV show I was not interested in at first. And then when I watched it, I was kicking myself because it was so good. It was such a fun show to watch. So I'm definitely looking forward to What If. I believe even, not at the San Diego Comic-Con, but they had recently announced, I think there's going to be a Marvel, com- or Marvel Zombies show. And that's based on a storyline where, you know, what would happen basically if some Marvel characters became zombies. And that's actually its own universe. So there's always the idea that that could somehow spill over into the main universe. I don't think they'll ever do that in the actual Marvel movies. Um, I feel like that would take like at least two films to explain. And you have to do like, like maybe like a summer event. And at the end of it, you have to reset everything. So I don't know if fans would be excited about going to see two of those movies with every single other thing that they could do. It might be better off that you're just going to make it into a cartoon. That's probably why they chose to make it into a cartoon because... They have no intention of making it into a movie, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's my, my take for a lot of those things we got going on in media. And I feel like those are two of the biggest things. As much smaller the proportion of the podcast was about Grand Theft Auto. Because at this point, I'm really, you know, looking at what Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to be. But they don't have anything out like that. So maybe when that comes out, we can talk more about that. But I am happy to see the Grand Theft Auto 5 is back to its, you know, what I believe where it should always should have been. And should give gamers at least another year or two of fun, if not longer. And then with Marvel, you know, over the next two or three years, you're looking at just insane dominance. I could talk about some of the things DC's planning on doing. But honestly, I have to see how these things play out. Because as a fan of entertainment, as a fan of storytelling, they're disconjointed. A story might end here, go there. There might be I-8 versions of Batman. I'm not feeling it. It's just It just doesn't seem important to me. I feel like Marvel, with their their roadmaps they release and the things they do, they're kind of dealing with our contemporary times even when it comes to their stories. 
It feels like something you're supposed to be watching as they unfold. With DC so far, I feel like I kind of could watch them whenever. If I miss it in theaters, I'll just catch it on like HBO Max or somewhere else. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, and I don't believe that they're putting any effort into even connecting the overall stories. So I feel like you could skip certain things. I liked Peacemaker a lot. That's a really good show. But I don't feel like most of the stuff they do on that show is going to leak over into any of the movies or any of the other things. I think it was just a show they made to be the best show possible for the character Peacemaker. And it was good. It was good. So those things are could be fun to watch. I just don't feel any urgency like I need to go watch what DC is doing. Um, hopefully that will change. I don't know how much it will change with The Rock joining in the Black Adam movie. I, I mean, they're trying. They're trying to create a world that shows these different things. But I don't know. I don't know how much they really care about it. Plus, with the announcement of a second Joker movie, and then I believe the Batman world is supposed to have some more spinoffs, and none of them are even connected. That Batman world isn't connected to anything else. That Joker world isn't connected to anything else. I guess they're thinking, hey, who cares? Just come watch one movie. That's fine. If that's the game they want to play, that's cool, but there's nothing to talk about there. I can't make an hour-long podcast out of that concept because all those things are not even one thing. Well, I do think you got to bring attention to those amazing things that are going on. And the level of storytelling and cooperation, the coordination, it goes into them creating all these properties. Mostly, I think, almost always coming out on time. We're having very, very high quality. It's just, it's just amazing that there's a place that exists that can help create all these things. And that's what Marvel's doing. So that's my take for everything this week on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Still working on some different ideas for the show. I'm hoping some video clips will come out this week. I'm pretty sure my birthday weekend, that's kind of what I'm going to be doing. I think a gift to myself is going to be finally putting out some video content. But we'll see. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this week. And that's Sammy Rye. Peace.